Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Tuesday, March 14th. On this date in 1972, Ronald Reagan was serving as the governor of California, and he pardoned a country musician for crimes the well-known singer committed during his youth. Do you remember which singer received that pardon? I'll have that answer in just a bit. But first, let's have a look at that Tuesday forecast over at the First Alert Weather Center. And good Tuesday morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Sofi. Chilly weather, the big story over the next couple of days. In fact, freeze watches and warnings in effect for all inland areas as we head into tonight to get ready for a cold night ahead. Now, today will be a much better day than yesterday. We'll get sunshine. It will still be a cool afternoon after that chilly morning. High temperatures today around 58 degrees tonight. On average, low temperature 34, but the farther inland you go, the more likely you are to drop to or below freezing for a little while. So we'll start out with sunshine today as we head toward lunchtime in the low 50s, mid to upper 50s under a sunny sky. Still a little breeze out there this afternoon. We will warm up later this week with our next rain chance late Friday into Saturday. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast. Powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. A woman has been arrested for assaulting a Charleston County deputy. According to an affidavit, 18-year-old Destiny Palmer assaulted a deputy while resisting arrest Sunday night. That affidavit says the deputy was helping with a traffic stop on Highway 78 when Palmer started to yell at them from the passenger seat. The deputy says when they attempted to arrest Palmer, she ran away but was later caught. That's when authorities say she kicked the deputy in the chest. Palmer has also been charged with obstructing justice. Her bond is set at $10,000. Two men are facing charges in connection with the burglary in North Charleston. Dante Ward and Gerard Green are both charged with second-degree violent burglary. Officers say Green already had an active warrant out for a burglary in North Charleston. Around 4.30 a.m. Saturday, officers responded to the Asian Garden business for a burglar alarm and found a broken glass door, lights on when they got there. The report says Ward tried to run away from the scene and led officers on a quick chase before he was arrested. Uh, they later found and arrested Green as well. A former cadet at the Citadel is set to be sentenced for his involvement in the January 6th Capitol riots. 21-year-old Elias Irizarry, he's set to be sentenced tomorrow. He was arrested in March of 2021 after he was captured several times on cell phone and security cameras. Irizarry pled guilty in October to entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds. That charge carries a maximum sentence of one year in prison and a fine of $100,000. The prosecution is asking for 45 days of prison time, a year of supervised release, and 60 hours of community service. The defense is asking for a period of probation as well as community service. The wife of the meteorologist killed in a deadly helicopter crash in Charlotte back in November is filing a wrongful death lawsuit. The suit alleges negligence by several companies involved in the deadly crash that killed meteorologist Jason Myers and pilot Chip Tayag. Both worked at our sister station in Charlotte, WBTV. The law firm representing Myers filed the suit on March 6th and named Wilson Air Center in North Carolina as the sole defendant. Three days later, Total Traffic and Weather Network, Heart Communications, and iHeart Media were added as defendants. The court filings allege contaminated fuel was provided and alleges negligence by all four defendants. 
After 29 years of leadership, North Charleston Mayor Keith Summy has decided to step down from office in November and has now named who he would like to be his successor. Summy says North Charleston Police Chief Reggie Burgess is who he would like to see take his place as mayor. Burgess has not released any statement officially announcing his candidacy for office. Summy says the death of a close friend was one of his top reasons to not seek an eighth term. In his final month in office, Summy says he wants to get the athletic complexes at Danny Jones and Park Circle completed. Meanwhile, State Representative Marvin Pendarvis has released a statement saying he will not be running for mayor of North Charleston. He says it will take a strong leader to get us there, and I look forward to working side by side with whoever that person may be to make this vision for North Charleston a reality. With that said, I've decided not to run for mayor of North Charleston and instead continue serving my community at the State House. Pendarvis says although he's remaining at the State House, he's grateful for the support while he was considering the mayor's seat. The only person to officially announce a run for mayor is current North Charleston City Councilwoman Rhonda Jerome. If elected, she would be the first female mayor of the city. After 30 years of service, Somerville Fire and Rescue's fire chief has decided to step down. Chief Richard Waring IV has lived in Somerville his entire life and joined the fire department after graduating high school. Later, he went on to spend 20 years at the Charleston Fire Department, where he rose through the ranks to the position of battalion chief. He returned to Somerville in 2011 to become fire chief there, and under his leadership, the fire department celebrated many accomplishments, one of which was helping with improvements to the Charleston Fire Department in the wake of the tragic Sofa Superstore fire, where nine Charleston firefighters died in the line of duty. He also oversaw the construction of four fire stations and the rebuild of the department's training facility. A controversial educational program is left up in the air again. This after Charleston County School Board leaders voted to defer it. We're talking about EL curriculum. Just last month, the board's effort to replace the EL curriculum failed, yet the curriculum found its way onto last night's agenda once again. Our Molly McBride attended the meeting and brings us the latest on CCSD's decision. There were so many public comments at tonight's meeting that the board actually had to vote to extend the public comment session so that everyone could be heard. Nearly everyone who spoke about the EL curriculum was in favor of the EL curriculum, but what exactly is it? I spoke to Katisha Gathers, a CCSD principal, who tells me EL is the Charleston County School District's reading curriculum. She says the curriculum includes both whole group discussions led by teachers and small group instruction. Gather says her students are seeing themselves in literature, which hasn't always been the case. The research um, behind the curriculum is that we are a global, global world, and people need to understand the dynamics of different perspectives in order to work together, to grow up, to work together, to be able to look at information and to think critically and make their own decisions. One speaker in support of the EL curriculum, Kayla Clark, said her children have been academically stretched and challenged under the curriculum. They have read about how others live around the world and have lived throughout history. Never have they once felt diminished or ashamed of who they are, but rather their own understanding of humanity has grown. After an hour or so of public comment and discussion, board member Leah Watley moved to postpone the motion to allow for more discussion. She said that only one side was being heard. After some back and forth, the board voted to table the EL discussion until after their upcoming listening circles, which will be groups of about 20 or so CCSD teachers talking about the EL curriculum. Reporting in downtown Charleston, Molly McBride, Live 5 News. 
Well, the CCSD school board is also discussing a policy that would ban teachers from talking about sex, sexual orientation, and other gender topics at schools. The school board says this is in anticipation of a state law that, if passed, would ban discussion of sexual identity and related topics in schools. By taking up that agenda item now, the district can go ahead and create a policy that would be ready and put in place if the bill passes. As it stands right now, staff could not refer to people by pronouns not associated with their official ID. Staff would also not be able to talk to students about sexual preferences and choices. The agenda item does say that these types of conversations will be discussed as needed for health classes or student psychological support. To learn more about that policy, you can go to lifehypenews.com and look up this story. Goose Creek City Council has passed a resolution to make residential neighborhoods safer. That includes either adding speed humps or bumps or adjusting speed limits. The council will meet tonight to announce the funds that's going to make this happen. Samantha Popovich joins us live in Goose Creek. And Samantha, tell us how neighborhoods can get involved and help make this happen. Good morning. Good morning. The city of Goose Creek is now taking requests and asking for signatures from neighborhoods who are interested in adding traffic um, calming measures to their area. The council approved of this program last month and are allocating $30,000 in funds to the program. The application for residents is up on the city's public works website. Assistant to City Administrator Alexis Kaiser says the first step is to contact Public Works to determine your project area, then determine if your road is owned by the state or Berkeley County, and have 30 days to collect neighborhood signatures. Kaiser says if the South Carolina Department of Transportation owns the road, a resident would have to collect 75% of the neighborhood signatures to request a speed hump and 85% of neighborhood signatures if Berkeley County owns the road. The council will then decide on final approval for the traffic calming request depending on the area and what the traffic study says and decide how many speed humps will be placed in the neighborhood. So there has been some safety concerns and that's really what it comes down to is the safety of our pedestrians and those who use our roadways um, especially in older neighborhoods that um, have been referred to as cut through areas where people try and get around um, you know our main thoroughfares. Kaiser says ultimately the city council will approve a placement of traffic calming after South Carolina Department of Transportation or Berkeley County approve of the traffic calming measure. She says, she says each year when the city reviews their budget, council will distribute more funds to continue the program. For more information on how to apply, head to our website live5news.com and click the link in this article. Reporting live in Goose Creek, Samantha Popovics, Live 5 News. Well, the North Charleston Coliseum is a place known for performances, but starting today, you're going to be able to learn how to save a life. Pretty cool. Andrew Rowan joins us live from North Charleston to explain. Andrew, good morning. Hey, good morning. Well, as you get ready for a show here at the Coliseum, you grab some popcorn, you grab some soda. But the American Heart Association also hopes you'll take five minutes to learn hands-only CPR. And you can do that at this new kiosk that they'll open later this morning. It's inside the arena, and it's a partnership with software company Blackboard. 
The kiosk is one of the first in our area. It's a touchscreen, and there's a mannequin attached. After training, there's a 30-second test where we'll actually give you feedback about hand placement, depth, and rate of compressions during a 30-second CPR test. About 16% of cardiac arrests occur in a public setting, and CPR can double or triple the chance of survival when it is performed immediately. Why not take the few minutes? Think about that impact of where it can be, and you really may be in a position to save a family member, a colleague, or, you know, any individual. It really is all about utilizing technology for positive health outcomes. On a related note, we've heard a lot about artificial intelligence technology over the past few months. I spoke with a cardiologist at MUSC who is part of their AI hub. It's a collaboration with Clemson University. We've all heard about the, that breakthrough behind ChatGPT, the artificial intelligence chatbot developed by OpenAI that launched in November of last year. Well, there's been a similar breakthrough in medical models. Researchers see it as a possible way to offload some of the more mundane tasks for clinicians that often prevent your doctor from being able to spend more time with you, the patient. This technology is not meant to, to replace your doctor, um, not meant to replace your care team. Um, it's simply to make them, uh, uh, to give them tools to help take care of you in a, in a better way. The infrastructure to test a lot of these AI tools doesn't even exist yet. So before MUSC researchers can get it into clinical trials, they actually need to build that infrastructure to test it. They want to be certain in its ability. But it's two very cool pieces of technology that are going to save lives in the low country. And we can't wait to see it. In North Charleston, Andrew Rowan, Live 5 News. At the top of the show, I told you that on this date in 1972, then-California Governor Ronald Reagan pardoned a country music singer for crimes the singer committed when he was young. That singer was Merle Haggard. And on this date in 1980, musician and producer Quincy Jones received quite a birthday present, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That was on his 47th birthday. Jones is celebrating birthday number 90 today. Also celebrating birthdays today, actor Sir Michael Caine, he turns 90. Comedian Billy Crystal is 75. TV and radio personality Rick Dees is 72. And Hanson singer, keyboardist Taylor Hanson is 40. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Morning Y'all, powered by Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all, produced every weekday morning. You can listen and subscribe at live5news.com slash podcast and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.